All right, Rabbi, say good morning. Let us let us begin. So I want to begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's share. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsor for the month of Adar Beis Leisol for dedicating all the Shulman Joshua's this month in honor of all of those who worked so hard to put together the groundbreaking. We thank Leah for her generosity and dedication. Rabbi, so with that, let us begin. We have really exciting Gemara ahead of us today. Today's daf is daf Chof Hey. 25, we are picking up Amir Tashem Ad Chav Dalud Amid Beis, and we left off at the two dots, Hanit On Al Eishes Ish, which is literally again right towards a little bit below the middle of Chav Dalud Amid Beis 24b. So remember again, the Mishnah said as follows The Mishnah was talking about the idea that if a person, there were rumors that a person had engaged in adultery, and again, the Lashon of the Mishnah was that Halacha Lamaisa. Based in caused the couple to get divorced, so the woman may not go ahead and marry the man about whom she was rumored to have had adultery with. And ultimately, again, the Mishnah says if they if they violated and married anyway, the halacha is that they have to get divorced. Says the Gemara, Amar Rav said this is only talking about a case where there are witnesses to the adultery. There are witnesses to the adultery. So witnesses to the adultery. Based in therefore forces the husband, because when a woman commits adultery, she is asura. She is prohibited to her husband and to the man with whom she committed adultery. So if there are witnesses, based in says you have to get divorced. And again, under those circumstances, that would be when halacha lemaisa, if the couple, in other words, the couple being the adulterer and the woman were to get married, based in would say you have to get divorced. So what does this mean? She says, Amina, I think. I think that when Rav was half asleep, he said this ruling. Now, I will say, now again, so this is actually quite interesting. So Rav Sheshes seems to feel that Rav is incorrect. Again, we'll, we'll come back. There's a beautiful Divrechai in the Sons of Rav who explains this statement a little bit different, but let's just take it at its face value. Where Rav Sheshes is essentially saying, Rav, you're totally wrong. You're totally wrong. Now, I will say, the obvious cache is if Rav could say that, excuse me, Rav Sheshis could say that Rav is totally wrong, doesn't really have to say it in a, in a, what appears to be a quasi disparaging way. We'll come back to that in just a little bit. In any event, Rav Sheshis says that doesn't make any sense. Why? Let's listen to this case. Right? So you have a situation where, let's say, again, you have Reuven and Shimon. And there is nitan rabosai. That that word means that there was a rumor. Nitan means there was a rumor. So Reuben and Shimon, right? Reuben is married to Rachel. Shimon is married to Leah. There is a rumor that Reuben had an affair with Leah. So what's talacha? Votziuha, and therefore they took out. They took Leah out from Shimon. In other words, they caused Shimon to divorce his wife. Then Leah goes to marry someone else. Leah marries Zvulun. It doesn't work out with Zvulun. And what happens? She decides to marry Ruvain, the man with whom she was rumored to have, to have ad- had adultery. Simkines, Loyotzi. Ultimately, again, if Ruvain ends up marrying her, Ruvain need not divorce her. Someone says, okay, Hechidami, what's the case? If there are witnesses that Ruvain committed adultery with Leah, Ki asa achra va'afsa kalakala my havi. 
I don't understand that just because Leah, after getting divorced from Shimon, went and married Zvulun, and then subsequently gets divorced from Zvulun, why would she then be permitted to go ahead and marry Ruvain? If there are witnesses that she committed adultery with Ruvain, that's unequivocally awesome. Rather, it must be that what? There were no witnesses. The time of the awesome, so what are we talking about over here? And this is actually quite fascinating. We're talking about divorcing because of a rumor. Now, now again, we'll discuss exactly what type of rumor we're talking about. But Lamaisa, we're talking about a situation where Halacha there were no witnesses to the adultery. But nevertheless, again, Shimon divorced his wife Leah. Leah subsequently marries an unrelated man. In other words, Zbulun. And then that marriage doesn't work out. And ultimately, again, the Asa Acher Va'afsekeh Kala. So ultimately, again, what happened? What happened there? What happened there is since she married someone else in the interim, that additional marriage essentially what? Ended the rumor. Ended the rumor. Therefore, again, the Gemara says, therefore, because that person in the middle, that Zvulun, that additional marriage, ended the rumor about her infidelity with Ruvain, therefore, technically speaking, were she to go ahead and now get divorced from Zvulun and marry Ruvain, she would not have to go ahead and leave that marriage. Were it not for the intervening marriage, ultimately, again, we would extract her from her husband, even without what? Even without witnesses. So I'll say, remember again, Let's take a step back here. The Mishnah told me, the Mishnah told me that if there is a rumor that Reuven committed adultery with Leah, who is Shimon's wife, what's the If Shimon divorces his wife, Lashon of the Mishnah actually is, if we force Shimon to divorce his wife, Leah may not marry Reuven. Makes sense. Because marrying Reuven ultimately, again, seems to be a confirmation of the rumor. Not only that, but the Mishnah said, that Allah even if Reuven went ahead and married Leah after she was divorced from Shimon, what's the halacha? We make them get divorced, right? We say, Reuven, you can't, you can't stay married to this woman. Rav came along and said, what are we talking about? With, with witnesses. The case of the Mishnah has to be a case where it's not merely a rumor, but there are witnesses. Rav Sheshis comes along and says, that's ridiculous. You must have been half asleep when you said that because Lamais again, and he brings the raya from over here, that you see from here that what? That even without witnesses, but even just on the basis of a rumor, ultimately, again, we would force Shimon to divorce Leah because of the rumored infidelity, and Leah would be precluded from going ahead and marrying Ruvain. Perhaps the only way she can marry Ruvain is how? Is if she married, after getting divorced from Shimon, she married someone else, that secondary unrelated marriage kind of brings an end to the rumor. Then if she gets divorced from Zvulun, then she can marry Ruvain. Okay. Amalekharav, Rav says, no. Rav says, even if there wasn't another intervening marriage to bring an end to the rumor, essentially Rav says like this, the only time, see, I both said, the theme of the Mishnah is, what's the theme of the Mishnah? If there is a rumor about a person regarding an illicit relationship with a woman, because right now she's prohibited, even if her status should change, what's that, and she becomes permitted, what's that, lachal? what's that, lachal? don't marry her. Why don't marry her? Because if you marry her, it seems to lend credence to what? To the rumor. To the rumor. So Rav is qualifying that. And Rav says, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, 
everything depends on the presence of witnesses. Right? Whether or not Leah in this case married Zvulun is irrelevant. Rav's model is very simple. We're looking for witnesses. Rav, Rav essentially seems to say that rumors by themselves are never enough. A rumor by itself is not enough to compel a husband to divorce a wife. And a rumor by itself is not enough to go ahead and preclude Reuven from ever marrying Leah. So Rav says, if there are witnesses, if there are witnesses, that again, Reuven committed adultery with Leah, and then Shimon subsequently divorces Leah, and Reuven marries Leah, if there are witnesses, we tell Reuven, you have to divorce her. You can't stay married to this woman. It's, it's illegal. But if there are no witnesses, if there are no witnesses, then halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, although Reuven should not marry Leah, if he did so, we would not force them to get divorced. Vachi vachi kamar. And the Gemara says, the Gemara is teaching us over, it says, Rav, from that price is, even in a case where there are no witnesses, if, let's say again, after getting divorced from Shimon, Leah marries Zvulun, and the marriage with Zvulun doesn't work, even in the absence of witnesses, Leah should not marry Reuben. She should not. You should not marry a man with whom it was rumored that you committed adultery. The only difference is, if she does go ahead and marry him anyway, do we make Ruvain and Leah get divorced? And according to Rav, what is that going to depend on? What is it going to depend on? The presence of Adim. Very simple. Rav has a very simple model. If there are Adim, Adim produce reality, Adim produce truth, and that's it. In the absence of Adim, a rumor would say, don't get married. Don't get married. But if you do get married, we're not going to force the dissolution of that marriage on the basis of a rumor, only on the actual basis of testimony. So we'll say, watch this. When is this so? So we'll say, when is what so? That ultimately Rashi says, We'll say, when do we say that if you went ahead and you married this woman, if Reuben married Leah, that they should get divorced? When is that true? If she doesn't have children, but if she does have children, she should not get divorced. I will say, what's the logic over here? Look at Rashi. But say, watch this. When do we say that if Reuben and Leah got married, that they should really get divorced? That's if Leah has no children. But watch this. Let's say Leah has children. I will say, not from Reuben. Who does she have children from? Her first marriage from Shimon. The concern is that if we make her get divorced from Ruvain, what does that look like? What does that look like? We're substantiating the rumors of, of, of adultery, which then casts genealogical aspersions upon her children. So I'm going to say this is a further qualification. So I just want to point out what's happening over here. According to Rav, according to Rav, the only... T- Let's take a step back. What is pretty much everyone agreeing with I, in an ideal world? If there is a rumor about, you, about a man having an illegal or an illicit relationship with a woman, right? Because right now she's prohibited to him. And then her status changes and she technically becomes permitted. Simple example. Ruvain, right, is rumored to have had an affair with Shimon's wife, Leah. Then Shimon and Leah get divorced. What does everyone agree with in an ideal world? Right? Ruvain shouldn't marry Leah. Right? That's everyone, everyone, and everyone agrees with that. Why not? Why not? Because it was a rumor. 
Because there was a rumor, stay away. Just stay away. Getting married to her confirms that rumor. Where does the Machlokis come up? The Machlokis comes up is, what if they did marry? What if they did marry? They got married. So now, what, what does Beisden force them to get divorced or not? So here's the Machlokis. Rav says, the only time Beisden will force you to get divorced is when? Is when? Is when there are Edim. It's when there are Edim. Witnesses. Rav says, a call, in other words, a rumor is enough to tell you, don't do this. Right? In other words, there's a rumor about you and this woman. Don't get married to her, even though now technically she's available to you. Right? Don't do that. But the rumor is not strong enough to force the dissolution of a marriage. Only if there are witnesses is that enough to say, hey, this is illegal. Because when there are witnesses, remember, there are witnesses to the adultery, then Leah is not permitted to Ruvain. That's when Basin will say you must divorce her. The Gemara now is coming along and saying, by the way, even when we force a divorce, when do we force a divorce? Only when there's no children. But if there are children, the concern is if we force the divorce between Ruven and Leah, what does that look like? That looks like we're absolutely solidifying. Absolutely, I'm sorry. This is even going in accordance with the opinion who says that we would force them to divorce based on a rumor. Even if you would force based, even if you would force divorce based on a rumor, that's only if she doesn't have children. But if she has children, causing them to divorce again will cast a shadow on the genealogy of the children. However, again, I will say, watch this. If there are witnesses that come along that say we know adultery happened, so we'll say this. This is incredible. Remember, once witnesses show up and say adultery happened. We'll say, what happens? What happens at that point? We're done. In other words, once there's adultery, then this becomes a black and white halachic matter, which is, if a woman commits adultery, she's asur, she's prohibited to her husband and to the man with whom she committed adultery, right? So once that happens, game over. So if witnesses come and say they committed adultery, obviously Ruben can't marry Leah. But even if Ruben did marry Leah and there are witnesses, what do we do? We force the dissolution of that marriage. Whether Leah has children or doesn't have children, that does not matter. It is an illegal marriage when we force the dissolution. What the Gemara was saying is, even according to the opinion who says that will force a dissolution because of rumor, because of rumor, says we only force that dissolution if Leah doesn't have kids. But if Leah does have kids, we don't want the genealogical impact on the kid and we'll let them remain married. Incredible. Rav Muki Since the way Rav sets up the Mishnah as there must be a case where she has children, right? She has children, but there are also witnesses. So remember again, same case. Reuven is rumored to have had an affair with Leah, Shimon's wife. Shimon divorces Leah. Reuven wants to marry Leah. We tell him, please don't do it. We're not coming to the chasana. Well, maybe we'll just eat a little bit of shmor, but we're not staying for the chuppah, that's for sure. Right? So, so ultimately, again, don't marry her. Don't marry her. But Reuven marries her anyway. Reuven marries her anyway. Rav says, now there are witnesses. And witnesses say, we know that Reuven committed adultery with Leah. So I will say, so what's the halacha? What does Rav say? What does the Mishnah say? The Mishnah says they have to divorce. They have to divorce. And even what? Even what? Even if Leah has kids. 
And unfortunately, the ramification of the kids will be what it'll be. Why does Rav have to set up the Mishnah talking about a case where she has children, she has, she has children, and there are witnesses? The Gemara says, The reason why we force the dissolution of the marriage between Reuven and Leah, according to Rav, is because there are witnesses. But ultimately, according to Rav, if there weren't witnesses, and Reuven married Leah, which we're very unhappy about, very unhappy about, but we wouldn't force the dissolution of the marriage in the absence of witnesses. Look, Ma, Rav, why don't you just set it up easier? Why not set it up as a case where she doesn't have children and there are no witnesses? So we'll say, now watch this. I'm a Rava, because Rava says, According to Rav, the Mishnah is difficult. My area, the Tani Hotsi Uha, Lisne Hotsia. Wow. Wow. We'll say, watch this. Rav picked up on a nuance in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, we'll say, if you look at, well, you don't have to look, I'll read it to you. The Mishnah says, Hanitan al Eshes Ish. There is a rumor that Ruvain has committed adultery with Leah Shimon's wife. And what is Lash of the Mishnah? Hotsi'uha mitachas yado. But say, what does Hotsi'uha mean? How do you translate that word? They removed her from her husband. They removed Rachel from Shimon. But say, who's they? Who's they? Bezdin. Wow. So right, why didn't the mission just say Hotsi'uha? Right? Or to say Hotsi'a. Hotsi'a would mean that Shimon divorced his wife. What do you mean, Hotsiwa, Elokol Hotsiwa, but Beisdin? Wow. The case the Mishnah Abose Rav says is the case where there's a rumor that Reuven committed adultery with Leah, Shimon, with Rachel, sorry. Sh- no, I'm sorry, with Leah, Shimon's wife. Shimon's wife, Hotsiwa, Beisdin stepped in and forced Shimon to divorce his wife, Leah. Now, why would Beisdin force someone to divorce their wife? Rav says, Beidim Hudemafki. Ultimately, again, the only time Beisdin forces someone to go ahead and divorce their wife is when? When there are witnesses to the adultery. So therefore, I will say, Rav understands that Halacha the case of the Mishnah is with Aiden. Oh, now this all comes together. So the case of the Mishnah, I will say, is that there are witnesses that Reuven committed adultery with Shimon's wife, Leah. Shimon divorces Leah. We tell Reuven, you can't, by the way, you can't marry her. Reuven marries her anyway. What's the Halacha? What's the Halacha? He must divorce her. He must divorce her. So the Gemara Zviba, the other possibility is, sorry, I just lost the police. Oh, so I say, let's switch gears. Okay, so I say, this is very, very exciting. So here's what we have. We so far have Rav, right? And Rav is of the opinion, right? That halacha lamaisa, although in the, the, a rumor will prevent the rumored individuals from getting married lechatchila, the only time we're going to force a dissolution of a marriage is when? When there are Aiden. When there are witnesses. Right? There are witnesses, and Ruvain still ended up marrying Leah, who's the woman with whom he was rumored to have committed adultery. We'll force them to get divorced. Even if Leah has children, we'll still force them to get divorced. They both say, now, the, and I want to point out, that stands in contradistinction to the Shita of Rav Sheshas. Rav Sheshas seems to hold that even the presence of a rumor could force, first of all, Shimon to divorce Leah, and again, if Ruvain subsequently marries her, could force Ruvain to dissolve the marriage. Now, the Gemara says, or there's another possibility. Maybe the Mishnah reflects the view of Rebbe. Get ready for this. 
Rebbe, this Sanya, we'll say this is incredible. Rebbe, we'll say now, is going to go through a whole bunch of circumstantial cases where we don't have, we don't have witnesses that say that adultery occurred, but we have what, what, what Rebbe seems to feel is convincing circumstantial evidence. Let's go through a couple of cases. This Sanya. Rochel Yotze. We'll say Rochel is a traveling spiceman. Right, a person, a person who sells spices. It was very common for these for these men to interact with women, because ultimately, again, it was the women who were buying the spices. So here's the case: Rochel Yotze. So let's say again, the spice the spice salesman is walking out. The Isha Chogeres Bisinar, and ultimately, again, a man walks into his home and he finds that his wife is putting on her undergarments. So the spiceman is walking out, and the wife is is getting dressed afterwards. So the Gemara says, Amarebi, Hoel Umuchura Hadavar, Teitse. Ultimately, since the Muchura Bosa means this is something disgusting, right? Since this is something disgusting, ultimately, again, he has to divorce his wife. Bosa, take a look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, actually, we don't have to go into Rashi now. So the Gemara says, Amarebi, so fine. So listen to this. Rok Lamala Min Hakila. Bosa, let's say he finds saliva, saliva on the, on the canopy. On the canopy. So ultimately, again, Amar Rebbe, Rebbe says, And I will say, what is saliva on the canopy? So the concern was that perhaps, again, his wife was having relations with someone else. And ultimately, we'll say, it must be that the canopy bed that they had, the canopy was much lower, not a high canopy. So again, perhaps, again, she was having relations and she was on the bottom and someone else was on top. And, and during relations, there was saliva. Ultimately, again, that's a circumstantial evidence that ultimately, again, she committed adultery. Teitzeh, top of Chavhei, Mina'alim hafuchim tachas hamita. There are shoes upside down under the bed. What is that? Rashi says, So we'll say, I think the way this works is as follows. You're going to see from the Gemara, based on the Gemara, they, they, have, they have dirt floors. They have dirt floors. So the idea was that they're wearing sandals, I guess. So if you would go ahead and turn the sandals over, it's a bit more camouflaged into the floor. That seems to be what's happening over here. So, if ultimately, again, there are overturned shoes under the bed, since this is something disgusting, ultimately, again, this is enough circumstantial evidence and a man should get divorced. So the Gemara says, well, if you find shoes, we'll say this is kind of like, a, just do a, like a little reverse Cinderella over here, right? Go ahead, find the guy who, right, who's, 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 right, who's, who's foot, Right, whose foot fits in the shoe, right? And you can find out, you don't have to rely on circumstantial evidence, find out whose shoe it is, right? When you find the guy, when you find the guy who's walking around without shoes or with one shoe, that's a good indication. So the one says, no, no. So we'll say, so Rashi has two gears of this, that either again, the place where you would normally go ahead and put your shoes, the husband would put his shoes, that area is disturbed. And therefore, it means someone else's shoes were there, or the wife's shoes are in the place where the husband's shoes are. The idea is something's out of the normal, out of the norm that seems to give rise ultimately again to an act of adultery having occurred. I'm Rebbe. I'm sorry. Right. So I will say. So what do you see? By the way, this is actually very dramatic because what is Rebbe essentially saying? Rebbe is essentially saying. Now I will say. It's interesting because obviously. Not, even though we're grouping all of these cases together, obviously even in this categorization, some of these cases 
are much more compelling. Obviously, the first case is much more compelling than the subsequent cases. But what Rebbe says is, if you find circumstantial evidence, significant circumstantial evidence of adultery having occurred, Tetzay, Tetzay, ultimately, again, you have to get divorced. So I'll say, this stands in contradistinction to Rav, right? Because why does Rav say, in order to force a divorce, what do you need? Witnesses, you need Edim. Rebbe clearly indicates that you don't need Edim. All you need, all you need, ultimately, again, is a strong circumstantial evidence. So I'll say, watch this. This is wild. What? So the Gemara says, by the way, the halacha follows Rav, and the halacha follows Rebbe. What? That doesn't make any sense. Rav and Rebbe say opposite things. Rav says, you need witnesses. Rebbe says, you just need circumstantial evidence. So what's happening over here? Look, Kasha, this is incredible. Watch this, I was say. We're talking about two different types of rumors. One is talking about, one is talking about, so we'll say, I want to point out, by the way, Rebbe, Rebbe is saying something very interesting. When the Gemara understands that Hilchasak Rebbe, if you look at Rashi, actually Hilchasak Kavasei Derav, sorry, Damar, Rav says, we listen to witnesses. But when do we listen to witnesses? I'm sorry, we listen to rumors. But when do we listen to rumors? When they are confirmed by witnesses. They both say, at first glance, that doesn't seem to make sense. Because if you have witnesses, then you're not relying on what? On rumors. So we'll see what that means. But the Gemara, well, here's, here's, the Gemara, here's the Gemara struggling with. Rav will agree that we accept rumors when there are witnesses. Rebbe seems to indicate that we accept rumors. If you think about it, circumstantial evidence is kind of like a rumor. Did you see something happen? Did you see something happen? You didn't see anything happening. But you see things that look weird. A rumor kind of operates the same type of way. Did I see anything? I didn't see anything. But everyone's talking about something having occurred. So Lamaisa, they both represent some level of circumstantial evidence. So the Gemara says there's different kinds of rumors. There's different kinds of rumors. There's a colored de Pasik and a colored de Lopasik. There's a rumor that stops, and there's a rumor that doesn't stop. Look at Rashi, de Pasik. call loma sheker hualas. So both say the way Rashi understands colored de Pasik is like this: a rumor. And then a follow-up. What's the follow-up? The rumor wasn't true. See, I'm say, it's not just, see, colored deposit doesn't just mean people stop talking about it, right? But rather it means there was a rumor. And then, then again, a follow-up call, we'll call it. The follow-up call that said, ah, the rumor, it wasn't true. That's a colored deposit. Colored deposit means an ongoing rumor to which there was never a follow-up call to disprove it. So this is interesting. So the Gemara says, Kala, let's analyze, Kala, Dilo, Pasik, Veleka, Edim, Kirebi. It will say, if there is a rumor that is not stopped, an ongoing rumor, and even if there are no witnesses, we follow Rebbe. In other words, they're both saying, the presence of an ongoing, sustained rumor. Right? Ultimately, again, the halacha is like Rebbe, that we give halachic credence to that ruler, to that ruler, to that, to that rumor. Kala, the Pasik, Ika Edim, however, if there is a rumor that stopped, Right, and then a subsequent follow-up that says the rumor wasn't true, but witnesses come along. Kirav, we pass him like Rav, which I will say is no great chiddush because once you have witnesses, remember again everything is done. Right, witnesses create reality. By the way, how long does a rumor have to be sustained in order for it to have legs? Right. In other words, how long does a rumor have to be floated 
in order ultimately again for it to have some level of halachic credibility. Um, Rabbi, I'm really aim. Sabai says, my mother told me, it's interesting, his mind, my mother told me, Domi Dimasa Yoma Upalga, right? The whisperers in the city. In other words, the gossipers in the city, if they talk about something for a day and a half, that means there's substance to it. In other words, in the rumor market, in the rumor mill, stuff goes around all the time. If it's not really good or really juicy or have no truth to it, it kind of comes and goes. If it sits, if it sits, right, in the, in the chats for a day and a half, right, if it sits in the gossip mongers in the city for a day and a half, then that generally indicates, again, that there is some level of substance to it. It has to be that for a day and a half, it was nonstop conversation about it. If in the middle of the day and a half, halacha lamaisa, ultimately, again, there was another competing call that said, no, this rumor wasn't true, then that disrupts the rumor. Furthermore, again, when we say that the rumor didn't stop, if the rumor stopped because of fear. Let's say, for example, let's say again the rumor is about Reuven, that he had adultery, that he committed adultery with Leah. But Reuven is a powerful guy. So perhaps the rumor stopped because people are afraid of Reuven. That's not called a rumor. That's not called a color deposit. That's not called the rumor that stopped because the reason it stopped is not because of lack of legitimacy to the rumor, but ultimately again because of fear of Reuven. Below Amran, Ella Deleka Ivan. Well, this is a very powerful one. Furthermore, when do we give credibility to rumors? That's only when the subject of the rumor doesn't have enemies. Aval Ika Ivim, Ivim Huda Afkilakula. Glakala. Well, say if a person has enemies, then what do we attribute the rumors to? His enemies. His enemies. Very, very, very important. So it's not awesome. So we'll say, so again, we'll see, we'll, I'm going to show you the Shulchan Aruch in just a moment. But again, it's fascinating. First of all, it's just in general, this notion that we accept rumors to some degree is also incredibly fascinating. To what degree? We'll see in the Shulchan Aruch in just a moment. So we'll say, it's awesome. We learned, We'll say, listen to this. If a man divorces his wife because of Shemra, in other words, let's say rumors develop about one's wife, and he goes ahead and he divorces his wife because of the Shemra, because of the bad reputation she's developed, or she made a neder, and because of a particular neder she made, he's very unhappy, and therefore, again, he divorces her. What's talacha? Lo yachsir. This man is never permitted to go ahead and remarry his wife. Now, both say, this is true even if she does not remarry someone else. He's never permitted to remarry. Now Rashi says, why is this? So we'll say, Rashi says over here, we have a different concern. What's the concern? Look at Rashi. The time of Mepharish, So outside. What are we concerned about? We're concerned like this. We'll say, let's take a simple case. Let's say a man divorced, right? Reuben divorces Rachel because she's just developed a bad reputation. And then what happens? She goes ahead, they get divorced, and she remarries. And it turns out a couple of years later that the truth is it was just someone terrible spreading rumors about her. What could Reuben say? Oh, had I known that the rumors were not true, I would have what? I would have never given her a get. Now, I will say that is a very, very, very dangerous statement to make. Why? Because it's quite possible that a husband has the ability to be mevatel a get lamafreya. In other words, if he essentially says, I gave the get under mistaken 
pretenses, under mistaken, under mistaken, yeah, pretenses. Old, and had I had I known now what I knew then, I would have never given a get. I both say it's a very dangerous thing to say because technically, it could retroactively undermine the validity of the get, which means that if Rachel subsequently has found happiness with another guy, a guy who doesn't listen to rumors, right, and they have children, and Ruven now comes along and, and retroactively regrets having given the get or gave the get under false pretenses, it could undermine her marriage to Ruven, to Shimon, excuse me, and make her children into Mazerim. Same thing with a neder. She divorced her because of a neder. She gets remarried, and she finds a chacham or a basin willing to revoke the neder. And Ruven says, oh, had I known, had I known, that she could revoke that I would have never divorced her. Again, could undermine the legitimacy of the get, undermine her marriage, create mamzerim. So they both say, watch this. Therefore, when a man divorces his woman because of a rep- bad reputation or because of a neder, Bezdin says to her, Bezdin says to him, husband, you understand that under no circumstances can you ever remarry your wife. And do you agree to that? And once he agrees to that, essentially what he does is, he releases any claim or any ability to be mavatal the get, a, a unique type, because we'll say, remember again, we don't say this to husband normally when he divorces his wife, right? If a man divorces his wife, we don't say to him, you know you can never remarry her, because it's not true. If they divorce and then a week later they decide to reconcile, he can remarry her. As long as she hasn't married someone else in the interim, he's permitted to. This is the exception to this rule. In these two cases, we tell the husband, you just understand you may never remarry this woman. So it says the Gemara, Wow, what happens if he did? What happens if he did, right? So Ruben divorces Rachel because of Shemra. Because of Shemra, three weeks later, a month later, it turns out she had an enemy who was spreading rumors. None of it was true. He's not allowed to remarry her. But what? But he does. But he does. What's the halacha in such a situation? So says in Gemara Armale, Tanina, we learned we learn this in the Mishnah. What did the Mishnah say? If a man is rumored to have had adultery with a woman, and Halakha says she gets divorced from her husband, he's not permitted to marry her. And if he does, we force them to get divorced. It's the same case. Same case. So, so too over here, he man divorced his wife because of Shemra, because of, because of a bad reputation. It turns out the reputation was unfounded, but we told him if he get divorced, he can't get remarried. He remarries her. It's the same Allah as the Mishnah. We forced them to get divorced. Come on, that's not a fair comparison. Very different. In the case of the Mishnah, both side, who's causing Shimon and Leah to get divorced? Who's causing them to get divorced? Bezdin. In this case over here, who's causing them to get divorced? The husband. The husband. It's not comparable cases. So actually had the girls in the Mishnah. Not that Basin was forcing them to get divorced, but that Shimon decided to get divorced. Still, how are the cases comparable? Again, in this case over here, where he's divorcing him because of Shemra, who's marrying her? Who's marrying her? It's who, or who's remarrying her? It's her husband. In the case of the Mishnah, who's marrying her? Ruvain, the suspected adulterer. Amalei Shapir Dami Ahadadi. They read, the cases are comparable. Why? I will say both cases, Allah is the same. In the Mishnah says, you shouldn't marry, and if you marry, we make you get divorced. 
Hachanami Amirabanon Lo Yachzir Vim Kines. I'm sorry. Vim Kines Yotzi. So the Gemara seems to say, no, it's the same halacha. It's the same halacha in both cases. These are both cases where Chazal are telling you, don't marry this woman. And the same way in the Mishnah, it means don't marry her. And if you marry her, what? We're going to make you get divorced. So too, in this case, don't marry her. But if you marry her, we're going to make you get divorced. To which the Gemara says, I don't understand. Hasam Alume Ami Lakala. Look at Rashi. Well, so that's Rashi on the on the in the mission in the Gemara. Below he hasam who kishen nichnas boal alume amalakala rishon. Maybe it's different because we'll say in the case of the Mishnah when Reuben marries Leah, the woman with whom he was rumored to have adultery. What does that do? That that confirms the rumor, or maybe confirms the wrong word. At least strengthens the rumor. However, in this case, sheemes hayahalas aval hacha. They both say, in this case, in this case, all what's happening, why is the husband remarrying his wife after he divorced her because of Shemra? Because what did he find? What did he find? It wasn't true. So they both say, that's how the Gemara ends. They both say, bottom line, we say that in this case, in this case, where a husband divorces his wife because of Shemra or because of Nedar, he's not allowed to remarry her. And if he does, we make them get divorced. They both said the reason we make them get divorced is because this is necessary to uphold the institution of get. Because they both say, think about this. If you could have a scenario where husbands are divorcing their wives for particular reasons, and then they have the right somehow that later on to say, oh, had I known that it was untrue, I would have never divorced her. It's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. So essentially what the Gemara is saying is, when we know that the husband is divorcing his wife because of a bad reputation or because of a nether, which are all circumstances that could lead themselves to change, we tell him, understand, you cannot remarry this woman under any circumstance. Because if we leave the door to remarriage open, we also leave the door to him being mevatal, the get open. So essentially what we're telling him is, your get is absolute and you release any claims against the get. To, was it actually, to be honest, we go ahead and we say that by every get. Every time we give a get, we tell the husband before he gives the get, understand, right? You release the claim. In other words, should you find out some new information, right? So should you find out some new information that you did not know at the time of your divorce, your divorce is final. Now, again, in other cases, you could potentially remarry, but so we make that clause by every get. Fine. So I'll say that's the end of this sugya. I'll say there is so much to do on this sugya. What I just want to point out to you is I, I put out in the chat the Shulchan Aruch. This is the Shulchan Aruch in Evena Ezer, Simen Yud Aleph, which I will say this, this, again, it's a long, it's a long Shulchan Aruch. We're not going to go through all of it now, but I sent it out to you because you should take a look at it because this goes through the whole sugya with rumors. I'll just read to you one part. You know, I'm not going to go through it actually because it's too long. If we have time at the end of the show, I'll come back to it. But But again, I just want to point out this Shulchan Aruch goes through over here how the interface between rumors and witnesses really work. Because again, you, from the Gemara, kind of, you could walk away with a little bit of, a, of an assumption that just based on a rumor, we're mandating divorces. And it does not work that way halachically. Halachically, you have to reach a much higher threshold in order to go ahead and mandate divorce or, for that matter, preclude certain marriages. Again, if we have time, we'll come back to it. But if not, it's an easy read, an easy read from the Shulchan Aruch about how all of these halachas come together. Beautiful. But say, I will just point out, because this I have to share with you, how do you reconcile Rav Sheshis' statement to Rav? 
right? Rav said the Mishnah is talking about Edim, right? And, and, Rav, and Rav Shesha said, you must have said this, Amina Kinayim Vishachiv, Rav, right? Rav must have said this when he was half asleep. So asks the sons of Rav, the Divrei Chaim, come on, Rav Shesha, why do you have to talk that way? Why do you have to talk that way? Right? Why so disparaging? Why don't you just say, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. Right? Why do you have to say, you said when you have to sleep, Shabbos say, this Divrei Chaim says, no, no, it, was, it wasn't an insult. I will say, get ready for this. Divrei Chaim says, that Rav must have said this, right? Rav Shishas, you must have said this when you're asleep. Why? Because Shabbos said, listen to this. When you're asleep, when a person is asleep, the Divrei Chaim says, when we sleep, we're like Malachim. We're like Malachim. Why? Because they want to say, what are Malachim? Malachim are all neshama and no guf. No body. When you're asleep, what are you? What are you? Your guf is dormant, right, when you're asleep. Right? So what am I when I sleep? My neshama is strong. Interesting. My neshama is strong. When, this is the dominant force when I sleep. And therefore, again, says the Sanzarov, when a person is asleep, it's like they're a Malach. Al-Kain lo-kivin ka so ultimately, again, what Rav Sheshes was saying was, you must have been very tired when you were adjudicating this case. So your body was secondary. Your neshama was primary. You'll say, well, isn't that the best time to go out and decide halacha? Says Rav, no. Because halacha is not decided by malachim. Halacha is decided by anoshim. Halacha is only decided by people who live in this world, by people who have a guf, by people who are part of the material dynamic of olam hazeh. Halacha cannot be decided. That's why lo bashamayim he. Halacha is not decided by a basko. Halacha is not decided by malachim. Halacha is only decided by bnei adam. So Rav Shisha says to Rav, I bet you were very tired, not an insult. I bet you were very tired when you decided this halacha. And that's why you probably didn't get the answer right. Because in that moment when you were more tired, your soul was dominant, your body was secondary, you were more like a malach than a man. And that's not the way things get done. See, Avosai, Kotzker says on the Pasuk, Va'anshei Kodesh Tihi Yunli. Anshei Kodesh, be holy people to me. The Kotzker says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't need any more malachim. He's got plenty of malachim. No, more than what he knows what to do with. You know what Kadesh Baruch Hu needs? Anshe Kodesh. Kadesh Baruch Hu needs holy humans. He needs holy people. He needs holy anashim. He knows he needs people who know how to live in this world and still be holy. He needs people who know how to navigate sometimes the tumultuous waters of the material world and still be holy. Kadesh Baruch Hu, we, we often think that like our goal is to become malachim. God has more than enough malachim. He's just looking for a few good men. Right? He's looking for Anshei Kodesh. Anoshim who know how to be Kodesh. Because it is only if you are a man, it is only if you are a human being, it's only if you're embedded in the material framework in this world, and you go ahead and you learn the interface between your Neshama and your Guf, that's the pinnacle of human accomplishment. The goal is not to shed the material and focus on the spiritual. That's a Malach. Hashem has his Malachim. The goal is to live in this world be a material being, but somehow find a way to allow my guf and my neshama to coexist. That's spiritual success, and that's the only time, says at least Rav Sheshes, when true halacha is decided. That's the Divrei Chaim. What's a beautiful Mishnah? Hamevi gave Medina Sayam. What's a lot to do? Hamevi gave Medina Sayam. 
tried. All right. It's not my fault. It's the technology. Right? It's the technology. All right, so I may, if I only had five more minutes, I may be getting with the NSA. We're going to be fine. I may be getting with the NSA. Ultimately, I will say, so what happens? A person goes out and brings a get from overseas. And so we'll say, so, so for so many of us, this Mishnah brings back such wonderful right, memories of high school. Who didn't learn this Mishnah, right? This is getting, this is part of high school curriculum. So I'll say, why it is, I have absolutely no idea why I learned getting in high school. Right? So I'll say, you should learn Shalom Bayes in high school. That'd be even better. So the says as follows. So we'll say, watch this. A person brings a get from overseas. And he says, and I will say, so again, a little bit of background to this. Dalach is as follows, which is, which is that when you bring a get, the Gemara Masechus Gittin says that outside of Eretz Yisrael, they were not proficient in the laws of Lishma, of writing a get, Lishma, for the sake of a man, for the sake of a husband, for the sake of the wife. So therefore, again, when you bring a get from, from out of Eretz Yisrael, a witness has to testify and has to say, This get was written in my presence, and this get was signed in my presence. Essentially, the aid is testifying to the fact that the get was written. In other words, you can't go to Shapsis and buy a get, right? I'll take a ksuva and a get. You know what? Let me just get it all now, right? And you, you, you can't go ahead and do that. Right? A ksuva, you could do it. But a get has to be written for the sake of this particular man, for the sake of this particular wife. So I will say, watch this case. So Ruvain's coming, and he says, So he's the witness upon whom the, 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 the kashros of the get hinges. So what's the Alcha Can you imagine? So he said, right? he, he testifies on the, on the get written between Shimon and Leah. Lo yisa es ishto. The next day, when Reuven announces his engagement, well, not the next day, three months later, when Reuven announces his engagement to Leah, we say, no, 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 no. In other words, I will say, if he is the witness upon whom the effectiveness of the get is hinged, right, he cannot marry the woman about who he is testifying. Similarly, again, haragtiv, let's say a man goes, let's say a man shows up and he testifies, right, he tells, Le- he tells Leah, 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 your husband died, mace, or haragtiv, or I killed him. Or, we'll see what that means. Or Harganuhu, or we killed him, Loisa es Ishto. He cannot marry Leah. Now, both say, now remember again, a woman is permitted to get remarried based on the testimony of one witness who says that her husband is dead. So I will say, what the Mishnah is telling you is that's true, but who can she marry? The witness who said that her husband is dead, right? That, that doesn't work. Which I will say again, all of these cases make sense. The theme of these Mishnahis ultimately is that. When things look strange, we try to sidestep them. So over here again, if you're the if you're the aide who's who is certifying the get, or you're the witness who's saying that Leah's husband is dead, you cannot marry this woman. Well, Rabbi says, well, it depends. If the witness shows up and says, "I killed your husband," he can't marry the wife. But if he says, "We killed him," he can marry the wife. Okay, we'll see what that means in just a moment. Says the Gemara, right? The reason why ultimately, again, we don't let Ruvain, who's the aide on the get, marry Leah, who's getting divorced from Shimon, is because since the get has come from overseas, ultimately the efficiency or the consciousness of the get depends on the testimony of the witness. But it sounds like if Ruben brings the get within Eretz Yisrael, so he doesn't have to say, So the effectiveness or the consciousness of the get does not depend on Ruben, but Ruben is the Shaliach, he would be permitted to marry Leah. I, but one second, but in a case where Halacha Lamaisa, the man shows up, 
Reuven shows up and he says, Leah, Leah, your, your husband Shimon died. We don't let Reuven marry Leah. Now, I'll say, here's what's amazing. When we let a woman remarry based on the testimony of one witness, is it based, is, is, the, is the license to remarry based on the one witness? And the answer really is no. Because Lemaisa, one witness, is not, is not proper testimony. So why do we allow women to testify, to remarry based on one witness? Because we assume that Allah, Lemaisa, she's going to do her own due diligence. Right? She's going to do her own research into this and make sure that her husband is really dead before she remarries because if she's wrong, she runs the risk of significant mamzerus issues. So the Gemara says, The truth is, the very different cases. See, in the case of a get say, we have a document. And the document stands even in the absence of the testimony of the witness. So when the witness is coming, bringing the get from outside of Eretz Yisrael, and the effectiveness of the get is dependent on his we won't let the witness marry the divorcee. But Lamai said he's bringing a get in Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Yisrael, where Halacha Lamai said, again, you don't need a witness to certify it. He's just kind of the FedEx guy. He's just bringing it. Then he actually is permitted to marry the woman because ultimately, again, he's not providing any component to allow for the effectiveness of the divorce. Mace, haraktiv harnagulo yise ishto. So what's that? The Gemara says again, guy shows up, Kom Ruven shows up and says, Leah, I killed your husband, we killed your husband, or I should say, your husband died, I killed him, we killed him. Ruven can't marry Leah, the widow. So the Gemara says, Hu nihu dulo yises ishto, hala akhartinase. So what's interesting is, Ruven can't marry her, but it sounds like what? She's permitted to marry someone else. Vam Rav Yosef, ploni rava anila on si. So we'll say, well, one second. We'll say another case. Let's say a man says, I was violated by another man and he violated me against my will. The victim and another witness could form a testimonial unit ultimately again to convict the rapist. So the Gemara says, what if a man says, I was, right, I had relations with another man, but it was consensual. It was consensual. What's talacha? Rashahu. I will say the person who admits to having a consensual relationship with another man is called a rasha, right? He's violated the halachas of Torah. That Torah amra atoshes yadchem rasha lios eid chamas. So I will say this is actually quite amazing, right? So I will say if a person says that he went ahead and engaged in illegal behavior, then halacha lemaisa we actually don't he, he can't count as a witness. Why can't he count as a witness? Because his admission that he engaged in an illegal act, by definition, renders him unfit to go ahead and give testimony. So therefore, again, if Reuben comes along and says, I had a relationship with Shimon, so, and, and there's another witness to that, we essentially say, sorry, Reuben, like, we pretty much can't listen to anything you say because you're essentially self-indicting, right? You're indicting yourself. And once you indict yourself, you kind of lose your credibility as an aide. So the Gemara says, So therefore, I will say, so what's happening over here? When Reuben comes along and says, oh, Leah, I killed your husband. Right? Your husband's dead. I killed your husband. How do we even listen to that? Right? Ruben is going in and saying, I committed an act of bloodshed. To which the Gemara says, Maybe you'll say that when it comes to testimony allowing women to remarry, in general, we have many leniencies built into that. That ultimately, if a person is a rabbinic thief, now, what is a rabbinic thief? It's not only someone who steals from Rabbanim. Right? But again, a rabbinic thief is someone, a gambler. 
A gambler is a good example of someone who is a thief midrabanan. Well, say the problem with gambling, the problem with engaging in any form of gambling is that halacha lemaisa we call asmachta lokanyo, which means that when people gamble, well, say people gamble for one reason, which is to win. And when you lose, and when you lose, although you'll, you'll give up your money, you give up your money unwillingly. Which means that the person who wins and takes the money from other people is effectively stealing from them. Now again, it's not biblical theft, it's not biblical theft, but it's absolutely rabbinic theft. So the Gemara says, a gazlan did divrehem is kashul edos. So the edus isha. So right. So I'll say. So that kind of person is permitted to go ahead and give testimony. Ultimately, again, that a woman's husband has died. Gazlan did divrei Torah pasula edus isha. But ultimately, again, I'll say someone who's a biblical thief, right? Mam Meshaganov is not kosher to give testimony. I sinema rab menashe damar kevida. Amuchav nashna anadamir afilu rabbanon. My pay is even rabbanon. Why? The time of rabbanon halachal kidurava do amar rabba adam karov eitzel atzmo. Wow. I will say, if you show up in Beisden, if you show up in Beisden, and you say, I committed an Avera, flog me. Just, just get it done with, right? Flog me. I, I, want, I want, what is Beisden saying? Right, what is Beisden saying? I don't know. You got some serious problems, right? Get out of here, right? Get out of here, right? We don't, we don't listen to that. I will say, why? A person is not believed to give self-incriminating evidence. Right? You can't, in other words, there's two pieces over here. First of all, you're not believed to give testimony about yourself. Why not? Because I will say you are related to yourself. Someone you can't give self-testimony. Number two, number two, you cannot make yourself into a Russia. Which I will say, again, by the way, this, this does come up in so many different circumstances, kind of also reverting back to some of the adultery cases. That's why even sometimes if a spouse admits that they committed adultery, that may not trigger a halachic response. Because lemaisa, again, self-incriminating statements may not trigger halachic realities. Again, a different discussion. In any event, that's why halacha lemaisa is ultimately what's unfolding over here. What's unfolding over here is as follows. That halacha lemaisa, when Reuben shows up and says, when Reuben shows up and says, Leah, your husband's dead. Okay. When he says, Leah, I killed your husband. They both say something amazing happens. I mean, I don't mean to say it like that, but something amazing happens. Right? What happens? They're both saying, we essentially splice his statement. Right? What we take from his statement is what? Is what? Leah's husband is dead. What's the part we ignore? I killed him. So I'll say, so what we do is, by the way, we do that all the time in Aloha, palginon ledibure. You know, we also do that in life. We call this selective hearing, right? But, but lemaisa, lemaisa, in Aloha, what we do is, palginon ledibure, we split Ruben's statement. Ruben says, I killed him, or he's dead, I listen to that. I killed him, don't listen to that. The, I, the, the fact that he's dead is enough then to allow Leah to begin the process of really investigating this to make sure he's actually dead, to allow her to remarry. But Aloha Lameis, again, that's how we pagin on the Bible. say just one more piece, then we'll stop. Says the Gimara, Haraktiv, Haragunatina, say, Maishna Haraktiv, Maishna Haragun, Rabbos, what's the difference between I killed him and we killed him? I'm sorry, I'll say just one more minute. What's the difference between I killed him and we killed him? Says the Gimara, Am Rabbi Huda, Ba'omer, Ani Ha'isi Im Hargav. So Rabbi Huda says the case is where Ruben says, I was with the guys who, I didn't kill him myself, but I was with the guys who killed him. 
Vatanya, we learned, Amrul Rabbi Huda, Maisebalistim Echod, Shiyatzali Hare Bimazigas Kaputkia. There was once a story of a guy, Listim, a robber, who was killed on the outskirts of Kaputkia. And Rabbi Huda said, Go tell this guy's wife. The guy's name was Shimon ben Kohen. Go tell this woman's husband, right? The husband was Shimon ben Kohen. I killed her husband at the entranceway to Lod. And ultimately, again, they allowed the wife to get married based on this. No, no, no. You got the story a little bit wrong. I was, what, what Rav Chista was saying was, Rav Chista? Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda says, I was with the guys who killed him. I listed Katani, but it says robbers. It was a case of say where this guy, Shimon ben Cohen, was accused of being a robber. Was accused of being a robber, and ultimately he was executed. I lehari Katani. The story was, Rabbi Huda saw this guy, Yosef ben Cohen, who was either accused of being a robber or got caught up in a chevra of robbers. And what happened? He saw this guy executed. Who was he executed by? A Gentile based in, a non-Jewish based in, a non-Jewish court. And Rabbi Huda sent, sent back to his wife, send word, I saw his wife executed. So I will say, so therefore again, what the Mishnah means like this, when a man shows up and says, either, number one, I saw, I, I know your husband's dead. Number two, I killed him. What does I killed him mean? I killed him means, I, in other words, I killed, how do we, halakhically, how do we interpret I killed him? What does I killed him mean? Whatever it means is, I know that he's dead. What, my role in that, the halakha kind of ignores right now. Otherwise, I was, I saw him killed by another chevra. And any of these cases, I remember again, generally, the halakha is for allowing a woman to remarry. And once her husband is dead, those laws are relaxed. Why? Because what do we assume? We use the halacha lamaisa. She is going to launch her own investigation. The Mishnah telling us, but if you play a pivotal role in that, you may not marry that woman. I was a shkayach. Stop over here.